Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Race. Alex is with us via telephone. Wayne Locke also joining us here today for a big, big show for today because we have got a very special guest. And Alex, I'm not going to tell people who the guest is right now. You're just going to have to stick around and find out. But uh, I'm kind of excited about having this guy on today. Well, it has to do with turkey hunting and turkey calling, everybody. And if you know anything about famous turkey callers from the South, we've got world champion turkey caller Preston Pittman. What a great guy. He will be joining us at 12.15 p.m. today. He's from southern Mississippi, and this guy is a turkey killer. Uh, yeah, you know, and a lot of times, Alex, and this is a question I have for you, when we talk about turkey calling contests, especially when you get to the level of Preston and some of these guys, uh, most of them are very good turkey hunters as well as just being turkey callers, but there are there is a line of guys that just do the turkey calling that really don't hunt all that much, aren't there? Yeah, but there is some guys that are competitive turkey callers, but they're not, uh, they do hunt, but they're not probably as diehard hunters as the other hunters, Mm -hmm. but uh, they still love the turkey hunt. Okay. Well, it's an interesting sport, and it's a sport that seems to be growing all the time. It is, uh, Redbone, and and that being said, we just got back from Nashville, the NWTF Grand Nationals, uh, the convention down there, and I was gone on the road in Oregon working. Wayne Locke, our brand manager who has joined the show with us, was also uh, responsible for setting up the booth and coordinating everything. He went down there, and I want to thank him for putting that the team together. And uh, they was down there Wednesday, and they worked Thursday, Friday, and I come in Saturday. I didn't know I was coming home, and I worked Saturday. And we had J.J. Lawhorn, country music recording artist, Lane Higgins, country music recording artist, and Hector Andres come in, and they've done acoustics with guitars. And we had a large crowd around us all day down there. Well, that's cool. That's cool. That the- yeah, it's definitely a good time, that's for sure. And as far as the turkey calling, I know, uh, Alex, I don't think you had a chance to break away Saturday, but uh, I was able to break away and catch some of the turkey calling uh, contests that they had going on down there. And it was really nice to see the amount of young people that are getting involved in the competitive part of the turkey calling. Uh, For the past few years, I've noticed it's been more of a middle age or older generation, you know, competing. But this year I saw a lot of kids that were like in their upper teens, lower 20s, which was a great uh, change of pace to see. Well, well, Wayne, uh, the youth division has always been there, but but I would have to agree with you. The numbers are growing with the number of, of younger generation that's starting to compete. So that's a good thing. And uh, that being said, the NWTF had a great turnout, and I want to thank those guys for working the booth with us and coming out to draw attention to us. Uh, I tell you what, Wayne, as you said, it was very slow Thursday and Friday, and elaborate on that, Wayne. Yeah, I think with the uh, the change, uh, it, it, we had like a spurt when I when I actually did the show last uh, last week. Uh, we had that spurt where it's like, oh, this is going to be a busy day. It looks great, and then it just it, it died. And I was talking to other vendors in that they all said the same thing that Thursday was just uh, a horrible day um, as far as the amount of people coming through in that. Uh, it almost felt more like it was a vendors convention uh, <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, 
And, that, you know, there's probably a lot of few things that played into that. You know, one being it's the first time they've ever had it on Thursday instead of uh, holding it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because, uh, as you know, Mike, uh, they uh, got rid of Sunday this year, and they just did it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So mm-hmm. there was that change of pace. Uh, plus, of course, we've been competing with Valentine's Day weekend uh, every year for the last quite a few years. Right. Uh, which now, next year, they're actually changing that again. They're still going to hold it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but they're not going to hold it on a Valentine's Day weekend. It'll be the third weekend of the uh, the month, so that hopefully that'll make some difference too. A lot of guys will be able to get out and not have to worry about uh, you know upsetting the wife or the girlfriend from getting away from Valentine's Day. Well, you know another thing that that factors into this, guys, Alex and Wayne, and that is that uh, President Trump has got so many people back to work. Everybody was working on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, and it's funny. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that because when I was, ta- uh, as I mentioned last week, talking to a lot of these new companies that I saw out there, that was one of the things they kept saying is that the economy now is what allowed them to get to open their company sooner than they thought. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so great to see that the economy is doing that good and we're getting these younger people in there opening companies up and, and expanding the sport even more. Yeah, Alex, I know you've been you've been going to the NWTF probably longer than anybody that I've ever heard of because you've been doing it for thirty years. Uh, you know, what about the numbers of vendors that are out there? Is the number up, down, about the same? I mean, what what seems to be the pulse of those people uh, now as opposed to when you know the old days of the NWTF convention? Well, I think what we have seen, we've seen a transformation within the NWTF. And I think the numbers are good for booth numbers being there. Mm-hmm. But I think the numbers are down, was down, from my perspective, in attendance overall the three days of the event. Right. Uh, do I think it's a good idea removing Sunday from the show? From my perspective, I don't think it is. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people that, that goes out with their families on Saturdays, and after church, they all look forward to coming back to the NWTF to get in the last-minute buy to buy stuff. So it ended up costing some of the vendors money. So that's just my thoughts. Do I think it's a good idea to move the show to the last weekend of February? I do agree with that. But overall, I'm going to say that uh, the overall attendance for the show and the results from this show was down. And I've talked to several people that uh, said that they lost money going to the show this year. Yeah, yeah, same here. When I went around and talked to vendors, they were saying that they Sunday they would have made more money if they held it on a Sunday when they gave their discounts than they did on a Thursday because the the, yeah. the um, attendance was so low. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to say this, guy. I'm changing the subject. I want to congratulate Matt Van Size for winning the Grand National Open Championships, and our special guest that's coming up going to be on the show with us again is Preston Pittman. He'll be coming up here in a minute. And also, Wayne, I'm going to let you make the announcement about our podcast. We've got about two minutes here, and Preston Pittman's going to join us. Tell everybody the great news about our podcast and our ranking. Yeah, right now we are ranked 46th in the nation on the podcast. So that is a huge accomplishment. Uh, people are really starting to catch on to the podcast, and they're sharing our posts, and they're joining in, and we're getting a lot of uh, people that are repeating the comments and reviews that have been left have been fantastic. So I, I know that they're enjoying the great content, the great guests that we have. Uh, I'm sure they really love the fact that we they don't hear just the typical, hey, I shot this buck at this date on this day that they get from other places and on TV shows. They're getting where these people came from. And I think going back to people's roots 
is something people are really enjoying their hearing about. Yeah, Hank Parker even said, Red Bone, uh, uh, Wayne, that you guys are really on to something with this American Roots when you're digging deep like that, talking about the background, the history, where they come from, and their ancestors. It's really touching. It's a great content format, which is really attracting people to our podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners that listen to our shows and support us and all of our sponsors. Uh, we are nothing without all of our sponsors that helps us in we're very proud to help them market their businesses as well. So uh, we've, we've, yep. we've moved a lot of positions, everybody, in a quick time. We're on our 17th, 18th episode of podcast, I'm sorry, podcast, and we're climbing the ladder quickly. Yes, we're already in season two, uh, episode nine, and uh, we have uh, uh, this week we actually did a part one and part two for Nashville uh, where I actually took the podcast, set it up in the booth, and we were recording, uh, talking to different companies, different people who had experiences with disability children, different hunting. Uh, the next podcast, part two, is going to have Helen uh, Butt, who is the uh, chairman for the uh, Women in the Outdoors for the state of uh, New Mexico. And she's going to be out there talking about that, and that will be released this weekend. So part two, uh, everybody keep an eye out for that. All right, guys, we're out of time for this segment. That is great. Yeah, we, we need to take a break here. we got Preston coming up in just a couple of minutes. Folks, you're listening to America Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We're back in a minute. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. He owns our curd Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for Welcome back to America Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Alex is with us, and we've been joined by our special guest. Alex, tell folks about who we've got on the line today. Well, we are very excited, everybody. As you know, our radio show and our podcast are really climbing the charts, and we try to keep all of our guests very special. And this guy here is very special in our friendship, and I met this guy back in the 80s, and I remember this guy is a crazy-looking dude, and this guy could call a turkey through a barbed wire woven fence, and it's world champion turkey caller Preston Pittman. Welcome to the show, Preston. Well, Alex, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here, but you said special people, so I'm just kind of wondering why, why, why you got me on the show today. <laughs> Because you are special, Preston Pittman. You are a turkey-calling fool. You are the boogeyman of the turkey world. Well, Alex, here, here's what I think I am. I am a 100% <laughs> pure through and through Mississippi redneck, and I'm darn proud of it. You bet, buddy. I want to kick this show off, and American Roots is all about our roots. And what I want to do here in this first segment with you, Preston, is, and, and Redbone's going to join in, too, but... I want you to tell us, where was Preston Pittman born? Where was Preston Pittman raised? Uh, how did Preston Pittman get into turkey calling? Answer those three things for me. Okay. On November the 28th of 1953, which was Thanksgiving Day, when I popped out of my mama and that baby doctor spanked me on the hiney, <laughs> is what I did, <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since. Born and raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, was a God-blessed man that had parents that, instead of going to deer camp and whatever, you know what I mean, and leaving the young and behind, we did the old-time, old-fashioned thing that I think a lot of families have gotten away from now is I went with them. It was a family thing. It was me and Mama and Daddy 
you know, going into camp. So I was exposed to uh, hunting and fishing. Uh, well, they tell the story about when they had me in an apple crate on the banks of Black Creek to flipping a water snake out of my apple. Out of my apple crate when my mama was taking a red belly off the end of a cane boat. So <laughs> I didn't have no choice except to uh, fall in love with God's greatest creation, and that is the outdoors to me. Wow, what a story. You know, a lot of these stories, Redbone, are very similar to the other stories of a lot of the pro uh, hunters and fishermen that we've had on here. And that being said, uh, what did your parents do uh, for jobs? What, what kind of uh, background okay. did they have? Alex, my dad was a pipe fitter plumber. My mother was a hairstylist. Uh, hardworking people, if you know what I mean, that, that, that oh, yeah. a penny was a penny and a penny saved. And you remember that little red belly that was three inches long? He didn't get thrown back into Black Creek. He got thrown into uh, Lake Crisco, as he says <laughs> in the crowd. Uh, you've been with me before. I kind of carry that tradition on my own self. Uh, I am the president and founder of the Catch and Fry Club. The only place I believe in releasing, as long as I'm hungry for fish, is in Lake Crisco, as he sizzles and fries. <laughs> so, you know, hard, hard-working background, uh, earned every penny that they ever made, um, never were rich, but you know what? I, I never went without anything. You know, it was, uh, had plenty of food on the table, had a warm home, had a comfortable home. And kind of the same way that I live right now today. Beautiful, beautiful. What a story. Let me ask you this. Uh, you went to school at Hattiesburg, so you went through grade school, elementary, junior high. Was Preston Pittman ever involved in curricular sports? Was you an athlete? If it didn't have a shotgun, a rifle, a fishing hook, a cricket, or a worm involved in it, uh, no. Not that I don't respect other athletes because I have the highest respect for any athlete or anybody who does something well because, to me, it's a gift. and It's, it's, it's a gift from God. Well, while we're on education, there is a little something I'd like to add in here, mm-hmm. and okay. I don't know how public I've ever made this, but it took me 13 years, not 12, to get out of high school. I had a disability that nobody knew what it was, and I still combat it every day of my life, and it's called dyslexia. Uh, so to the kids that might be listening to this out there, just because you might have a little something wrong with you or you might have a learning disability, you can still live the American dream if you just put your mind, your heart, your body, your soul into it, and remember who gave you that gift. Wow. Well said. What do you think, Redbone? Yeah, I think that's really great. And 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 for kids that might be listening right now, Preston, explain to them what dyslexia is, because they may have it and not even realize it. Well, uh, like you look at a stop sign, and all of a sudden it flips backwards, the, the words do. Mm-hmm. If you go to write a B, your B is backwards. Your C is backwards. You see things in, in, a, in a whole total. It's a little hard to explain. But you see things in a whole total different way. Uh, I still struggle with reading right now today uh, in writing. I can spell worth a flip. Uh, the good news is, is now that they have recognized what it is, uh, there, there are things that they can do uh, with kids, especially the earlier that they catch it. 
and train them and teach them. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of self-taught, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I just struggled through it uh, and, and just didn't know what the heck. I didn't really understand. I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. So as you're seeing things backwards, it things slips upside down on you. Mostly it goes left to right and right to left. Everything will slip on you like that. And it's hard for you to, to, to read if it's hard for you to grasp how to spell a word, even though they say sound is syllables out, then you need to go get some professional help. Yeah, and there is help available. Well, that, is, say, that is the key thing. Go ahead, Redbone. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I just say there, there is help available for those kids. So, kids, if you're listening and, and this seems to be something that you're struggling with, go tell somebody and get some help. Yeah, Amen. and I want, to say, I want to say this to you, Preston. Uh, you're one of the, the, the most thought of and well-respected and high-profile turkey callers in the outdoor industry. And I remember the first time I ever met you was with Ray I, uh, calling at the uh, Yaleville uh, Turkey Trot Days, the World National uh, Championships down there. I'll never forget meeting you. And you come up here to Missouri and you turkey hunted uh, with me and uh, we fished together. We had a great time. And we'll talk about that on the bonus segment in the show about the turkey hunting, about catching the fish. But that's the first time I ever met Preston Redbone and the first time all of our listeners. And this guy is a true gentleman. And he's got a big heart and a compassion for everybody he's around. And if you've never heard Preston Pittman speak at a seminar, brother, he brings it. And he has the the crowd eating out of his hand. He explains things and and he can share knowledge with you. It makes you feel like you're right there with him when he's talking about that hunt, Redbone. Wow, that's fantastic. And we'll explore some more of that and get some more of Preston Pittman's story uh, when we uh, come back from a break. You're listening to the American Roots Outdoors radio show with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We'll be back. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Waddy with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Take it to a field across the creek. American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Again, I'm the Red Bull Mike Race. We have Preston uh, Pittman on the line along with Alex Rutledge. And uh, uh, Preston, uh, I have a question for you. Say you're from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, back in the uh, 60s, I guess, is when you would have started turkey hunting maybe. Uh, how was the turkey hunting in uh, around Hattiesburg at that time? Well, I can, see uh, this. I can remember that there weren't but a full of turkey hunters uh, back in the very early, early, early days, and that would have been the late '60s mm-hmm. and even the early '70s, to where you had had a successful trip if you found a gobbler track down in the Soda National Forest, or what we commonly call Camp Shelby. Then I can remember, my gosh, if, if I heard two or three birds gobble the whole year, I was slipping over backwards. Wow. And then I got to watch that area <clears throat> grow and mature with the help of the NWTF, the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parsons, with restocking and stuff. Uh, I saw it grow to the point to where even in public ground, uh, it's like Missouri used to be. You know, they were turkeys everywhere, mm-hmm. and very still few turkey hunters. Then publicizing uh, articles and magazines, we didn't have, you know, TV shows and typecasts and stuff like that back then. The publicity of it grew and grew and grew, 
and it went from me choosing which bird I wanted to go to, to, uh, how do you say, trying to find the deepest one away from everybody mm-hmm. until I finally started finding some uh, private ground to go hunting on. So I've seen the beginning, the birth, the rise, the steady, the too many hunters, you know, per acreage to where it's at now. And in that same section of woods, which I do not hunt anymore. Uh, they call me a Yankee because I'm not in north of I-20 <laughs> in Mississippi. So uh, uh, Hurricane Camille hurt it very badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the population is, I'm going to call it light stable, but it's nothing like what it used to be. Sounds very familiar, uh, doesn't it, uh, Alex? Sounds very familiar. Yeah, you know, Missouri, in southern Missouri right now, our numbers are down right here in the Ozarks, right here where I'm at, the Birch Tree Shanty County area. We've had bad hatches for years, man, and our numbers are down. Turkeys are spotty here. You know, we have over 2 million acres of Mark Twain National Forest for anybody to hunt, and uh, the numbers are decreasing, uh, the amount of hunters that's coming in here because the numbers are declining. And we attribute that, uh, Preston, to predation, wet springs of hatching time and and all that, and, uh, you know, I've hunted Mississippi, and I must tell you, every time I've ever hunted Mississippi, we've killed turkeys down there, and I'm impressed with the numbers. I've hunted uh, just north of Hattiesburg at Natchez, killed turkeys down there, and I've hunted around Grenada, uh, Casilla, uh, I've hunted around uh, Meridian, all those areas we killed turkeys, but uh, Mississippi, you got to commend them for the job that they're doing with the uh, programs and the, the the numbers of turkeys that you have. We're, 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 we're solid right now. We're stable. Uh, of course, in its heyday, we had an estimated population of close to a half a million birds, somewhere between 450 and 500,000 birds. Our population now, estimated population, and I could be wrong on this, but it's more closer to uh, 150 to 200,000 birds. Wow. So we are all from the heyday, but, you know, we all go through this, and I do agree with you about the wet springs. I do agree with you about the predation. But, Alex, my philosophy is there's something else out there. There's something, whether it be disease or whatever it may be. I've watched Tennessee. I've watched the population be cut in half. Look at what the great state of Kansas uh, did this yeah. year. They cut that yeah. limit, you know, in half. Uh, I visited with Chris Kirby, you know, up in upstate, you know, New York, in areas that I used to come up there. He's just saying, you know, you're struggling just to hear a bird gobble. Uh, Mississippi is off, Louisiana is off, Alabama is off. I fear that there's another factor in there. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. But maybe our biologists and all. You know, maybe they can figure it out. You could be correct on that because, uh, you know, I, I had 14 different hens on my farm that I watched, and I only saw two turkeys all rifle season on my farm. And I do have a, a group of turkeys on my farm right now. I don't know what they are. I haven't checked my cameras, but I can see where they're scratching at down logging roads. But uh, there is a concern about our turkey numbers uh, in other states like Mississippi, Kansas, in New York. I didn't know New York was having problems as well, but we've got to find out what the problem is and try to combat that problem because 
turkey hunting is uh, generates a lot of revenue for these states and for the departments. Uh, yes, it does. And I can tell you one thing that can definitely make a difference, and that is we as managers, we don't want to say this, conservationists, with the fur prices just not being there anymore, uh, that is to try to thin out some of the predators, be it bobcats, be it coons, be it fox, whatever it may be. And in reality, what you do, especially if you do, you know, calling for predators, you create another sport for yourself, too, in the states and during the times that it is, of course, you know, legal to do. And uh, I highly advise every turkey hunter to uh, try a little predator hunting, and all you're going to do is hit the turkey population outside. Yeah. Let me ask you this question, question again, repeating. You're from southern Mississippi, and we just got a few minutes left here in this segment, but how bad is the hog uh, population mm-hmm. in Mississippi? <clears throat> may, the, may the listeners... And the sportsmen, forgive me, but I have nothing for a hog. I see them. <laughs> it is a So how bad is the hog, wild hogs in your area? It's, it's become an epidemic up here in southern Missouri. And uh, there's a lot of debating and a lot of uh, uh, disagreements up here. Uh, a lot of hogs, uh, people are feeling that hogs are, well, we know they're running farmers' pastures. But uh, there's rumor that hogs will also uh, bust up nests and even eat the egg from turkey's nest. Uh, this is true, and it is uh, it's way out of control. In fact, uh, with our Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, you are legal to hunt a wild hog, which is nothing more than a domestic hog that has gone wild, uh, 24-7 uh, every day of the year. Any way you can take him out, you take him out. It's and you can do it. And you can hunt. Can you hunt government land in Mississippi? It's on private land. We can hunt government land, but when you're hunting wild hogs on government land, you have to adhere to whatever season and whatever uh, weapon is legal. Like archery season, you have to use archery equipment, no limit. Rifle season, then you can use a rifle, but. And, excuse me, here again, no limit. On private ground, 24-7, any weapon you want to. Well, well, what do you think of that, Redbone? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's uh, you know a pretty good way to approach it. And it sounds a whole lot like Missouri, other than the fact, Alex, that we are now banned from uh, uh, killing hogs at all on government loan and uh, land. And we can talk more about that on the next segment if you want. We need to go to a break here. Folks, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. We'll be back. Hornady presents... American Roots Outdoors Radio. Welcome back, everybody. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. Alex Rutledge is with us. Preston P- uh, Pittman is here with us. And uh, we we ended the last segment talking a little bit about the uh, the hog situation. And Alex, you alluded to the fact that it's kind of become an epidemic here in southern Missouri and even into central Missouri now and up through the Mississippi River area. Uh, the hogs are getting to be a real problem because that's what they do is they follow waterways. And... Uh, uh, you know, we could talk about that all day long, but I think Preston, you know, kind of hit on it. We don't like hogs. And if you are a farmer or a cattleman or a rancher, 
you don't like hogs. If you're a hunter, you probably don't like them either, other than the fact that they are something to shoot. And uh, everybody I talk to, Alex, says, you know what? If I see one on my farm, I'm killing it. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, well, they need to. Mm-hmm. Again, it is an epidemic, and uh, I just wish that the MDC and, and the Mark Twain National Forest could come to some kind of reasoning with the people that's hunting these hogs with dogs, because if you notice on Facebook, there was a Facebook post made with a hundred and some hogs that was killed in a 48-hour period. Mm-hmm. I believe they made a statement, Redbone, uh, to Missouri and to the world of what they can do with these hog numbers and these group of people hunting. Yeah, I, I, I would agree 100%. And, and we need to get uh, uh, Rob Elder back on with us to talk about that, because he was part of that group. But... Uh, yeah, you know, they can talk about trapping them all they want to, but uh, they, they in no way can trap as many as hunters can kill if you just turn them loose to kill those hogs. But anyway, that's all for another another day. I know we want to get back to our guest here, Preston, uh, Preston Pittman, and uh, we want to talk about the early days of turkey calling and, and his turkey calling career. Alex? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Preston, tell us about your first turkey calling contest, and let's talk about the championships that you won. Well, the first contest that I ever went to was in a little town by the name of Carthage, Mississippi. I went to it when I was 12 or 13 years old. And here again, it was one of those old-timey days. It was on the 4th of July. They had a tobacco spitting contest, a grease pole contest, a grease pig contest, a fishing rodeo. Turkey calling, duck calling, hatchet throwing, horn blowing, kind of like old time the years used to do. And my parents took me up there, and of course I, I didn't know that much about turkey calling. Uh, I knew about a uh, good old wrench box call. Uh, was not really quote into it at that early of an age, and uh, won the fishing rodeo and found out I was a year or two old, so I had to get my plaque back. And I met a gentleman by the name of Jack Dudley, who became my instant hero. He was a natural voice caller. And over the next few years, he worked with me, even long distance. He was one of the first uh, uh, people, even prior to Ben Rogers Lee, although he didn't do it on a national scale, that traveled around to the sportsman's club and gave little short seminars. And I went back at the age of 16, and uh, with the junior divisions back then, and I walked off the stage as the Mississippi State Champion Wild Turkey Caller using nothing but what God gave me, and that was my natural voice. Hmm. And that started it. It became a disease. I know what you mean. I would, I've done it for years, and, uh, you know, you've got a lot of accomplishments. Let's talk about that now. Let's talk about some of the titles that you won. And you are a world champion. And let's talk about those titles right quick. How many titles have you won? And let's name some of them. I have no earthly idea how many I've won. But uh, national championship and uh, king of champions up in Yaleville, Arkansas, which was prior to the Grand Nationals uh, put on by the NWTF. Uh, Five or six nationals, five or six uh, team champions. I've held uh, every, all five different divisions 
of the world championship, being an ultimate natural voice, two man team, uh, goblin and champion of champions. Uh, I've won everything at the Grand Nationals with the exception of the open calling contest. Uh, two man team, goblin, and this was in my early days, uh, uh, the champion of champions for the world championship made me eligible for that. And Lord, I don't, Alex, I don't yeah. remember. Two, hey, do me a favor. Do me a favor, real quick. Give us some voice calling. Let get, let the listeners hear you do some voice calling here. Do some hand yelping and some gobbling. Give us a spring morning. Okay, I, I I will do the best that I can do. But because I have done so much with my natural voice, the doctors tell me I have stretched my larynx like a rubber band and it's been laid in the sun. Let me play and just see what happens, okay? Okay. Okay, how old are you, Preston? Real quick, how old are you? 66. There you go. All right, listen to this, everybody. You know, I, I think it sounds like he can still compete with the best of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, that's what happens to me now. He's funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to get real serious here. We just got a few minutes left here before we go to the bonus segment. I want to tell everybody to listen to the bonus segment. You must click on to the become a member of our podcast. you got to mm-hmm. like our show. And by doing that, you get to listen to all the bonus segments. But before we go to the bonus segment, we're going to talk about, in the bonus segment, about mining your turkey hunt and how big that gobbler was. And you're going to share some other secrets with them about turkey calling. But this is where we get serious. Let's talk about your faith of our creator real quick. Where's your faith at in uh, God? Here's the way I I tell people there is a God in in heaven who sacrificed his only son, Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. I'm not going to say that you're going to do everything right, because you're not. Uh, But you should strive to do that. Uh, I put it to you like this. I know that whenever I pass, I know that I'm going to heaven to be with my God. Hallelujah. And I know that if there are 40 acres of people waiting to go through the pearly gate, I will be on the back 40, and he'll probably have one of his angels thanking me all the way through that gate. But I'm going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, what a, what a testimony, Redbone. What a testimony, listeners. And uh, we want to thank you. How can people learn more about Preston Pittman? How can we, we contact you? How can they buy your calls? Uh, PittmanGameCalls.com. Uh, go to the internet. Uh, if you want to find out more about me as a person, uh, you'll find out that I ain't right. Uh, I ain't got no sense, but I love life and I have fun. Uh, you can just Google me and see me on some of the talk shows that I've done, but for information on the company, go to PittmanGameCalls.com. Okay, last thing. What companies do you represent right now? 
Right now, I have basically merged my company with Long Leaf Camo or Long Leaf Camouflage. So it is Pittman Game Calls and it is Long Leaf Camo. And uh, I don't really do a lot of pro staffing anymore, but there is one company that builds some products that I believe in, and that is Mojo. They have a tail chaser that is one of my favorite products that will attach to your gun barrel. And then my famous thing comes true. If I can't call him, I can darn sure crawl him. <laughs> in the state that is legal. I will kill him any way that I can. I will kill him any way that I can as long as it's legally, ethically, and morally correct. And I can't help that my morals get low during turkey season. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Preston Pittman, everybody, there you have it. That way you can follow him, contact him, buy his products, support him. What a good man. What a man of God and what a man that loves the sport. We're going to go to a bonus statement again. you got to sign up to become a member of our podcast. Preston, I want to thank you on behalf of Wayne Locke, my brand manager, and Red Bone Mike Christian, all of our listeners, for being on our show. Uh, absolutely my honor and my pleasure because you know how I think of you. You are yeah, someone oh, yeah. who has worked their rear end off their whole life uh, and probably made some bad business deals just like I did. But you know what? A good man gets knocked down. What does he do? He gets back up. He gets up. And that's what you are and that's what you do. And I appreciate you, Alex. So you never got to worry what the wind Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hi, and welcome to the ARO bonus segment of American Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. I'm Red Bull Mike Race. We have a special guest, and if you listen to the radio show or the other part of the podcast, you heard Preston Pittman, the legendary Preston Pittman, with us today. And Alex, I know you want to talk to Preston about a hunt that you and he did many, many years ago. Yeah, I'll never forget this, uh, Preston. Uh, I remember we went fishing that day, and uh, we caught some bass in one of my friend's private ponds, uh, the day before, then we went turkey hunting, and I'll never forget, we was hunting on the, a big ridge close to the Jacks Fork River, and I'll never forget, we heard a turkey gobble across this holler, and this holler was over half a mile, and the, the ridge that we went on was straight up. And anyway, it was late morning, and when that turkey started gobbling, as a kid growing up, I heard a turkey gobble, it was late morning, I knew you had to get on him quick, I took off running, and I'm going to let you take over from there. Preston, what you thought and what you tell everybody. Okay, first let's go back to the fishing. I'm going to touch on that first. I got an education that day because <laughs> you kept saying, we got to get some peepers. We got to get some peepers. And I'm going, what is this guy talking about, a peeper? Has he got a peeper? What, what, what's going on? And then you reach down and you grab a little frog. And I'm going, golly, dog, why didn't you just tell me a baby frog? And uh, we called him this a fish. And uh, I have a saying about you on that particular day that I still remember to this day. And after my tongue, after I tripped on my tongue because I was panting so hard trying to go up, and it ain't no hill, it's a blasted mountain. After I tripped three times on my tongue, I was panting so hard. I said, 
if I ever get my hands on that young man, I said, I am going to tie a boat anchor, a boat anchor around his rear end so I can slow him down. <laughs> so um, let's say that you, your your other nickname became Mountain Goat that day. And, yeah, you were running and I was panting and tripping on my tongue. But we got the bird. Yeah, we did. I remember you saying, we finally stopped the turkey gobbled again. We're getting closer and closer to him. You go, Alex, why are we running? Are we, are we running from somebody or what? <laughs> <laughs> <And> I, said, <laughs> I said, trust you thought, are we trespassing or something? He said, we can't be trespassing. I said, no. I said, here in the Ozarks, you get a turkey goblin and he's a mile off or whatever. You got to get on him quick before the hens get to him. And if you aren't getting on him, that helps the chances of you closing the deal. But I'll never forget, once we got inside of his bubble, Preston, I remember I sat behind you. You'd done most of the calling, and i just done some hen yelping. Once he started coming, you let me kind of help finish him off with soft stuff. But I'll never forget you shooting that old big gobbler on that big flat ridge, and he weighed 25 and a quarter pounds. I won't ever forget that. Wow. Do you know that's still the biggest bird of my life? And I'll tell you what he reminded me of. And you have to have a little age uh, to to remember the old Volkswagen Beetles. Mm -hmm. Because that's what he looked like. He looked to me when a big bird in Mississippi is 18 pounds. Uh, In that day and time, that was a huge bird in the state of Mississippi. And I'm going, my goodness, I said, that's a car coming through the woods. I ain't no turkey. He was huge, yep. and I do mean huge. You won a big gobbler contest with him. I remember that. Uh, you won a big gobbler contest at a gas station with him that day uh, when you weighed him. I remember that. But, uh, you yeah. know, those memories yeah. those memories I will cherish forever. Uh, my dad, I remember my dad, he was so proud of you killing that old big gobbler, over at late Elbert Ozine Rutledge. And that being said, our tactics that help us kill that turkey and and uh, I'm going to let you touch on that. One, and I'll, I'll say the first thing, and you say the rest, is that we got on that turkey quick. And, yeah, we took a chance of busting other turkeys by trotting, running, getting to that turkey. But once we got in there on him, he was still gobbling. He was still hot. Then I'm going to let you use the rest of the tactics, what closed the deal. Rest it. Well, that that is a big key is what you said before, which is getting inside of his bubble. And during that day and time, I think we were both a little to the aggressive side. Yeah, uh, was. I, 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 I think now, this day and time, a lot of birds, unless it's a two-year-old, if it's a three-year-old and a bitter bird, I think a lot of times people have a tendency to call too much and too loud. Uh, I have, uh, as I have aged, I've really gotten a lot calmer. You know, with my calling, I rely more clucks, purrs, do it, soft yep and half yeps. Uh, I call that my meat call is what I call it. Uh, but on that particular hunt, uh, I was not as good a purr or soft caller as I am right now. And it was a little more aggression that we were doing to the birds. And they hadn't, had, they hadn't heard it that much back then. They hadn't been educated. Uh, yeah. And basically being inside of his bubble and getting to him quick. You're spot on. So, so just a real, real quick recap. We got on the turkey quick, and you, you checked him soft. 
He answered, then you turned it up with aggression, excited yelp, and it turned him inside out, and he came. And you killed him in a matter of minutes. It happened quick once we got in there on him. And that's something to keep in mind. The next late morning goblin turkey that you hear is get on that turkey as quick as you can uh, and, and without bumping other turkeys. But check his temperature, get him to come and shut up, make him look for you, and that's how you close the deal. Well, you, you also got to think about it from his standpoint. He has waited a whole year to have a girlfriend. And yeah. that's one thing that he wants. He wants to have as many close girlfriends as he possibly can. And something that a lot of people don't stop and think about, I believe, is that we have what? Two legs. Turkeys have what? Two legs. So by us coming into him, probably, you know, thinking back on the hunt, probably by coming in on him the way that we came in on him and then, you know, crashing, diving, with you doing calling and me doing calling and with the noise that we did most certainly make, you know, going into it, it was what he wants. Hey, I got two girlfriends coming into me. So people can stop and think, too, a lot of times by using and utilizing different callers or sounding like more than one hen, especially if you have moved in a little bit quick, then now he thinks you've got not one, but he's got two girlfriends sitting there waiting on him. Exactly, exactly. What a great hunt. What a great bonus segment here. We're just going to wrap it up here real quick. I thank you for this story. I thank you for this wonderful memory, and I thank you for our friendship, Preston Pittman. Well, and likewise for me, and, you know, before I get so old, I can't, which you ain't going to run me. I'd love to go <laughs> hunting with you again, Alex. We're going to do that, buddy, and I think we need to hook up with our good friend Aaron Kipp and do a reunion hunt, all three of us together. What do you think? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Let's try, oh. to, get that thing. Let's try to get that thing on the books this spring if we can do it. This spring is real tight for me, but next spring I will hold the slot, and I even have the place. I'll bet you I know where we could end up at. You remember Dr. Have you been to Dr. Waples' place? Yes, sir. That's where we'll go. I talked to him the other day. I've hunted with him there with Aaron. Yep. There you go. You stay out of my holes now, Dad, don't it? There you go, everybody. <laughs> we got a hunt plan for next year. Again, thank you all for listening to American Roots Outdoor and our special guest, world champion turkey caller, legend of outdoors, Hall of Famer, Preston Pittman. What a great man. What a great friend. Our saying here at American Roots, everybody, is this. Keep your eyes on God, Jesus. And remember, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. So next show, be safe. Take your kids outdoors. Share the outdoors with people you love. Have a great and safe weekend. And my old pair of hunting boots passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart so you never got to worry what the wind